And away we go. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. And uh, we will get things started here in just a second. As always, thanks to our friends at the Holy Grail. Get yourself down to the banks and uh, get you some good food, get you a few cold beverages, and just have yourself an all-around delightful time at the Holy Grail. All right, we're, we're, on, we're on a time crunch here as we've uh, been battling some technical issues. StreamYard has not wanted to play nice tonight, but we are finally live. And we are live with two guys that are very important to the present and the future of the Cincinnati Bearcats. None other than Athletic Director John Cunningham and the man behind Cincy Reigns, my dear friend, Brian Fox. Gentlemen, welcome Hello. to the show. How are you? Good to be um, with you guys. Cl- glad to be here. Love you, Chad. Love you too, B. Fox. Here. Always a warm hug and warm yeah, embrace. Sure. sure. John, Brian, and I actually hug every time we see each other. Okay. Yeah, John, John and I aren't there yet, but give it time. <laughs> Trust me. <clears throat> we'll get there. Um, John, first, we, we'll, we'll touch just for a, a moment on uh, everything that's happened over the past week. Uh, did you get a good night's sleep Monday night? Yes. Yes. Monday night, I did. Um, yeah, I, I slept really hard Monday night. And uh, for a long time, I think I, I think I hit the bed about... 8:30 and and woke up at my usual time, so got a full night's sleep, which I needed, and uh, you know it it was uh, it, it felt really good. When did you kind of get the sense that things were trending towards Scott Satterfield, and and obviously you get a sitting Power Five head coach, a guy that that fits checks a lot of the boxes, has recruited well, is out in front of the NIL uh landscape but when did you start to get that feeling that i think we might have have found our guy and i'm not saying that to trick you into telling us the timeline I yeah no um I, you know <laughs> i think you know i talked about it we um we had a couple face-to-face uh interviews really over the weekend and and then uh made a decision at that point and when i say we uh, the president and i dr pinto and i um and so you know it was at that moment that we sat down and re- reviewed um, those that we had, we had talked to and, and did just kind of a holistic look and pros and cons and all those things that you do when you make a really um, important decision. And then, you know, we, we felt comfortable that this was going to be our guy and we're going to go forward and, and let's do it. So that's how it all came to be. Dave. When you, you know, when you were talking to Scott throughout the process, was there any moment or any, part of the conversation that kind of clicked with you specifically that made you think whether it was at the beginning where you were like, I want to know more, talk more to him or towards the end where you're like, this is who we need to have as our next coach. Was there any part of the conversation that uh, hit, hit on that? You know, his overall um, authenticity and just his, you know, his honesty about our questions, you know, he just, I think, I think as you guys get to know him, um, from the media realm, when you ask him a direct question, he's going to answer it. Um, and, and so that struck me. Um, no pretense about him, just kind of straightforward. And then the other thing that really got me um, thinking a lot about about his culture was when he talked about his love of, of being around the guys. And, you know, he's, he's a ball coach. Um, he grew up around the game. He loves the game, just has a passion for football. And then he has a passion for his players and not only, you know, not only when they're playing for him, but he talked about guys that he had coached in the past and what they were doing and, and how they're having families now. And, and he's getting cards and, and um, 
calls from them and, and that meant a lot to him. He, he really, he, he structured his, his program so that he said he wanted the guys on the team to walk into the building and always want to be there. Not, not dread walking into his building or, or dread going to practice. You know, he said, we work too hard to not, to not really enjoy this. And he, um, you know, I, that meant a lot to me because I, I think that that's probably an underrated piece to the transfer portal, to be honest with you. Everybody thinks it's all NIL. Um, I actually think it has a lot to do with how much uh, student athletes love to be around the program and really enjoy their team and the culture that that has been built. And I think going forward, that's going to be just as important as NIL money. Finally, before we get into the, the Cincy Reigns conversation, uh, were you did you know that he finished second to Luke Fickle no. six years ago? Or was that what was your thought when you learned like this was a guy that, that the, they were already almost close to hiring here? Yeah, I, I found out during the process that he was he had interviewed, but I didn't know he was that close. Um, you know, I mean, it didn't uh, it didn't really make a difference. Obviously, he was um, that coach at that time coming out of Appalachian State that had done so much and, and won so many games and three straight conference championships and three straight bowl games at App State. So um, not surprising he was courted then. And then, you know, talking through him taking over a two and ten Louisville program that went 0 and 8 in the ACC um, and, and what that was like when he took over and how he kind of quickly gathered the reins and, and changed the changed the feel around that building and the feel around that program um, to go then, you know, win and, and become ACC coach of the year in his first year and then, and then go to three bowl games in four years. You know, he um, that meant a lot, just his description of what it was like to take over a program that, that was not in, in good shape. All right, let's bring in our guy, Brian Fox. And Brian, I'm going to bring up something uh, from, from the past here. It looks like you could do a pretty nifty fireside chat from the rich mahogany in John Cunningham's basement office. That's true. That's true. I do not see a crackling fire, but we can bring one. I have like this big fake fire that, that we is portable. <laughs> Brian, welcome in. Uh, I'm sure most everybody here is, is very familiar with you and your connection to the program. Just be, before we get to the back and forth, give us a brief um, Cliff's Notes version of Cincy Reigns, how it got started, and, and how you've uh, kind of partnered with the university in making this uh, the collective for Bearcat Athletics. Sure. So um, it got started as, uh, well, it, it all started when the NCAA um, issued their uh, interim guidance in July of 2021, where they changed the rules re with respect to name, image, and likeness. Um, and there were a group of folks at the university that were you know, trying to think through uh, what's the most sustainable, strategic, thoughtful way to create a, a collective that accomplishes you know, some of the more laudable and, and uh, meritorious goals of that. So um, Matt had a number of meetings with stakeholders and folks that were interested in being involved. Um, you know, my particular uh, reason for involvement, you know, given my legal, you know, regulatory background, uh, and also my knowledge of the donor base and, and the folks that 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 bleed uh, both black and red, I think provided um, an organic connection for me to be helpful, try to be helpful in this way. So since he reigns uh, is, a, is is a uh, registered nonprofit with the state of Ohio, as well as an LLC. 
And there's two paths. There's the LLC, which is serves as a, a clearinghouse for local businesses and folks to uh, you know, partner with position groups, individual players, folks that they want some sort of marketing and advertising return on their investment by virtue of that partnership. We can help provide a forum to negotiate that and help them connect. Um, and then the nonprofit is focused more on, um, you know, serving as a, a charitable compliant conduit uh, for folks to provide, you know, donations to benefit student athletes. And then the student athletes in turn um, provide, you know, a, a bump for those, uh, for some charitable entities in, in greater Cincinnati that, um, you know, by way of, you know, both, uh, you know, using their platform to try to champion those those causes and also by being directly involved in those so those are the, the two things and and you know that's laid out more in depth at sensyrains.org and to throw that in there uh and i think this is something that's important to make clear no money is coming off the top to the people running the collective everything that is put into the collective goes straight to the athletes at the university that's right. Yeah, the, the, there's a number of ways to do this. There are plenty of collectives across the country that the folks involved are profit-minded. Um, uh, I am negative profit-minded, and 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 using this as a way to to give back and and to make an investment, uh, my own personal financial resources, but also my time, effort, and energy to try to to get this thing going to make a difference. John, how much did did all of this, as it was playing out, did you have a hand in, not, I know you can't have a hand in what the NIL does, but in the university's interest in being involved with something, how much was there an ability to work together and kind of have a meeting of the minds and uh, find, you know, what both parties were looking for? Yeah, you know, I think one thing a lot of schools are running into is they've got NILs um, that are happening that they don't even know anything about, and uh, they're being operated and run by people they don't trust. Um, the great thing here is that that wasn't the case. Uh, obviously, we knew Brian. Um, I remember meeting him maybe my first week here. I, I, uh, I sat down with him for a while. And, and so um, I knew him well. Uh, people on our staff knew him well, trusted him. He was going to build it the right way. Um, just a smart guy that was, that was like he said, just going to put everything he had into this and not ask for anything back, right? He's doing it because he just loves the Bearcats. Um, and so right there, you're off to a good start. And then on top of that, he had such a good plan around it um, and it was structured so well. So I feel very fortunate um, that, that since he reigns came to be, um, I feel like we've structured it the right way and uh, for all the right reasons. And for that, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful because I, I think it can grow and be one of the best in the country. I really do. I, I think it's off to a really good start, but uh, we just need everybody. I mean, everybody to think about um, their love for the Bearcats because the battles for the best players in the country and the battles to retain the best talent is being fought in the, in the space of NIL. And uh, that's where we need people to invest. Dave. Yeah. John, you talked, you know, a week or so ago and then again this week about, you know, NIL and it's, involvement from a coaching standpoint and that that was an important piece just in your mind what did like what were you looking for as far as that space and the coaching candidate like ideas or just a general understanding of the system as it's currently structured were you looking for someone that had 
been in a program that was, you know, well into and into the NIL or, you know, just kind of walk us through a little bit of how that element played into the coaching search. Yeah. I think the big piece of it was I needed a partner in, in this new world of college athletics and this new world, specifically college football. Um, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't do us any good to, to uh, bury our heads in the sand in terms of what's going on. Um, I, I think they're, I've used the term radical acceptance. I think you got to accept where you're at. And um, obviously the rules can change and switch, and I'm sure they will over the next few years. But right now, like I said, um, you've got to, you got to understand where, where the battle is being fought. And uh, uh, coach sat obviously did. Um, He, he talked a lot about that. He, he had a plan. He had a, he had a a program that they were using at at Louisville. Um, You know, obviously, um, that was going well, but he was also excited about um, some of the things that we were talking about and some of the controls that we had put in place um, and the systems that we had up and running that he could uh, tap into. So um, it was really going back to your question, David, just being, I, I needed a partner. I didn't need somebody that was going to go off and, and try to either try to do their own thing or just try to ignore it and act like it's not uh, taking place. So I, I found that uh, with him. How do you combat the inducement side of what seems to be some collectives or groups out there while still being productive in what Cincy Reigns is trying to do and, and kind of fight it? Because it's clear that that is, is out there, I, you know, hopefully not for long, but, you know, how, do, how does that framework of what some groups have going on differ from what you guys are doing? Yeah, I mean, I'll touch on the inducement piece first, which is, you know, um, to be honest with you, the way the way it's structured right now, it's it's a little bit of semantics, right? So there's there's rules that say that you cannot um, have recruiting conversations with with prospects that have specific dollar amounts attached. But what you can do is you can talk to prospects about ranges that you've previously given to previous student athletes. So um, there, you know, this, this, this idea that everything revolves around inducement and, um, that's a clear line that I don't think that's a true statement. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the reality of it. Um, and then in terms of what, you know, what we were doing, obviously we had, um, you know, we had some of our larger donors that were giving to NIL, um, previous to Cincy Reigns forming and, um, you know, I, I think that there's an opportunity for larger donations that will continue um, to take place. But since he reigns to me was we got to get to the way we're going to be successful is we got to get to our masses. We have to get to our our everyday fan that's passionate about the Bearcats. It's buying a season ticket. that's buying a single game that maybe doesn't live in Cincinnati, but just wants to help. Um, if we do that right with three hundred twenty thousand living alumni, um, you know, we can really grow this thing quickly and, and become really a model for everybody else, which is kind of that crowdfunding model that, that Brian has really put together. Brian, what is the the short term? How does this thing, I know you're off to a good start, but how do you kick the kickstart this thing and make it become something that is just part of, because I think this is in the NIL space, this is what's important for, for people to know, for fans to know. It has to be a regular thought process. It has to right. be 
think about it like a, a subscription service or something, you know, something that it, it can't be kind of like an athletics donation where you take the lump sum, you give it, and then you say to yourself, well, next time we get around to it, we'll give it again. It has to be sustainable, right? It has to be something that long-term has legs and not something that's a one-time, it's not a, it's not a facilities donation. It is an infrastructure donation for the future health of taking care of the student athletes long-term, right? Right, yeah, it's, well, you know, in the near term, uh, folks like you, um, are really helpful in, in, in helping us connect and get that message out, which is vitally important, especially here in the, in the near term. But um, I like to think about like muscle memory. Um, a lot of programs I think may have had uh, some muscle memory around being helpful in this way. And so it's, it's a new muscle for some of our folks to develop. Um, but it's an important one because I think what you'll find in the, you know, college football landscape, college basketball landscape, and, and all of, uh, you know, collegiate athletics landscape, landscape is that there, there's going to be some separation because, you know, uh, universities that have a robust um, and vibrant NIL ecosystem are going to do well. They're going to do well at landing top tier talent. So if we want to be about that, if we want to be about having programs with top tier talent that also use that talent to leverage uh, a top tier impact within the city. And we have to develop that muscle memory uh, in order to, to be effective. And I think um, you're exactly right. It's, it's not a, it's not a one-time check that box sort of thing. It's got to, it's got to, yeah, we really want folks to make this a part of their regular lives and their regular, um, you know, processes to think about how can I be impactful uh, with student athletes at the university of Cincinnati. And by being impactful, you can be impactful long-term. Like if you're going to make the investment as a fan to follow things long-term, you now have the ability with Cincy Reigns to kind of put yourself in as part of the, the process. And that's always kind of been there through donation to the athletic department. But this is donation specifically to the guys that are on the field, the guys that's that right. you watch on TV, which I think gives it a little bit different of a – a feel, right, John? Yeah, Chad. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things, I think Brian and I talked about this. If we didn't, um, it was with somebody else recently. But um, it reminds me a little bit of the Green Bay Packers, right? So that entire community um, has they own the team. team. They own the team, right? And so so it's not just about buying the ticket. And, you know, they, they invest in their ticket, obviously, and, and everything else. But then they know that, that part of their investment is an ownership investment. And that, that, that really is almost what this is, is, um, hey, I, I know in a given year I'm going to buy football season tickets and basketball season tickets. It's going to cost X. I'm going to add an additional amount to that every year just to be a part of this because I care so much about, you know, the talent on the field and, and making sure that we're competitive. Because if we give these coaches, um, all of our coaches, if we give them the best players, uh, they're going to they're gonna do really, really well. So that that's what it's all about. John, I know you have a hard out. At, it's 8.30, so I want to let you get to that. But I want to ask, did you realize you had a thing for North Carolina? 
No, but somebody was saying that we need to get a Bojangles up here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there I'm used to be one. There used really? to be one. Well, over, I will, I will say over, that absolutely. We need a former football player that's involved in, uh, in, in uh, maybe bringing, bringing some to Ohio. So he's all excited because he thinks he can get uh, get going on that. And then I said immediately. Bojangles is delicious. I, it, is, it is delicious. I said immediately that means you got to do an NIL deal with Brian if you're going to bring that up here. So. Yeah, or cookout, or cookout. I love that yeah. place as yep. well. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that. Uh, they're both they're both great individuals, and and um, they're both really hard workers, uh, blue collar guys. I mean, you know, boo. I mean, it, Coach Sat uh, telling his story about you know growing up and and what he was about growing up and just the hard work that he and his family um, are all about. You know, that means a lot to me too. So. Um, excited about excited about the future um, in him, and I can't wait for everybody to get to know him. Um, can't wait for the players on our team to really get to know him and and uh, him to get settled a little bit. But uh, we're going hard and fast here. I appreciate you guys uh, for having me on for a little bit. Just let him know it's important to do this podcast because it it reaches far and wide. I know it does, and I will tell him that for sure. And <laughs> I, I know I know he'll do it um, as soon as he can. So I know. Yeah. Appreciate you, John. Thank you so much. And uh, we, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of time tonight and go back and hang out with those kids and, and teach them what good Christmas movies are. I will. All right. All right, All right guys. Thanks, John. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. You. Yep, you got a few more minutes for us, Mr. Fox? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll take a, a little bit of – I know the people have a lot of questions in the chat. First off, how do they get involved? That's the most important thing. We need to let yeah. them know how to get involved. Yeah, the quickest path is to go to cincyrains.org. Um, and there's uh, a number of different ways you can click through and, and donate and contribute. Um, and then, you know, that's that's more kind of an on-the-nose way to be supportive, but also being supportive by by telling folks about the story and about how important it is. And, you know, if 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 you're inclined to try to shove this message out to to your network we we want that because we want as many people as possible who are who are connected to the university of cincinnati and who care about you know the the young men and women that wear university of cincinnati across their chest and compete we want as many people involved as possible because that's the only way that um we really get to a place where we're making a big difference and big dent in in this world you know the the coaches are going to need every resource available to, to be effective. And, you know, look, nobody two years ago um, really thought this was a likely outcome, right? Nobody really saw this on the horizon. And, you know, I know, I know I've been dealing with some folks who are like, well, isn't this just the same thing as dropping a bag on a player? Um, and, you know, isn't this, it, it, how is this okay? And, and the answer is, well, the Supreme Court unanimously decided in the Alston case that the NCAA's prohibitions against players profiting off their name, image, and likeness um, was tantamount or, or, or really close to antitrust violations. And so, um, you know, so they, they were saying that the NCAA was engaged in anti-competitive behavior. And that's really why and how we got here. Um, and it was the Supreme Court's law of the land that that forced the NCAA to make issue its you know, interim guidance, which has been updated a bunch and which is still, uh, I would say, um, rather vague. Um, 
and it's I think it's intentionally vague because the NCAA is uh, was caught flat-footed by the the Alston decision and um, isn't really sure what role they can play going forward. I think that's the the big concern for them and the the impact on you know collegiate athletics is the NCAA uh, isn't quite sure how and where and and what to do about uh, the new state of play. Um, go ahead, outside, outside of, you know, myself or anybody just going to Cincy Reigns and donating money that way, what ways are, are you guys and your board and your, your main people there going out and how are you guys, like, what are you guys doing to go out to the community and kind of be creative outside of just, Hey, everybody, please, you know, pitch in where you, you know, when you can, where you can. Yeah. So uh, it, I would say um, that this is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, this is really a, a, a brand new thing. So we're really trying to stand up, you know, the nonprofit piece and trying to get that that going and capitalize so that so that we can resource, you know, coaches and make an impact. Um, but there's there's a, a role that the the LLC can play. Um, and so, you know, evaluating who, what are, what are some businesses within your network that might be inclined to be involved and to sponsor some, some players, some position groups, some teams, um, because I think those, the, every, every bit of that will be helpful. So, so, so give directly that helps secondarily help us tell the story, help, help us connect to as many people as possible. And then third, if you're involved in business, you own a business, or you you have uh, friends who do, talk to them about partnering with with us to um, put together some deals for student athletes because it, you know some of these players have great platforms that they can really um, leverage and connect to make uh, a positive difference for some businesses to get some good um, some good looks from from new customers and clients. So. Um, so I'd say that's, that's kind of the third piece. And then fourth, we're going to, we're going to provide some opportunities, uh, to, um, to, you know, participate in some fundraisers or trying to put together a, a fundraiser at, at, um, one of our board members hangar, um, in the first quarter of next year. And so we think that could be another uh, great tool for raising funds. Obviously, a lot of focus from Jack D. Nelson here. Obviously, a lot of focus on football, but how does Cincy Reigns contribute to the broader student athlete community? Another very important question here. Sure. As you click through, you can you can designate if you want to impact um, somebody other than just football. You can click through and, and make that designation. So that's um, that's a piece as well. And then D. Smith, I asked, uh, what are some? I, t- I talked. Huh? I asked him that one. Okay. Um, Brad asked. Is there kind of a budget that you guys look to accumulate or how, how does that work where like what are your goals? Well, you know, I know that's probably a weird or a hard question to to answer when you're just starting, but you know, what is are you holding yourself up against other co- collectives, groups or like in, at similar schools, you know, how does that how do you determine what's good and what's you know not? Yeah. Um, I would say every every bit is good, and and no, we're not. So collectives don't, um, you know, the, 
we're, we're separate from the university. We're, we have a separate board. Um, we're a separate entity altogether. Um, and so, you know, in this space, you know, most collectives aren't out there. Um, it, some will saber rattle and throw out, you know, well, our, we, we anticipate raising $23 million to, you know, annually. Is that true? I, I, I'm doubtful, honestly. Um, so I don't really have a measuring stick by which we're going to say, you know, we want to we want to exceed Xavier's NIL um, ecosystem by X dollars because Xavier's NIL ecosystem isn't going to specifically advertise how much they're, um, you know, they're resourcing their student athlete community. So most collectives right now are are not out there um, being very specific. And so it, there's no need to. Every bit helps and every bit is impactful. Um, one of the things that I think is important is it's not, um, of course, dollars are important, but so too is just the number of folks who are involved because that's um, that's another signal to recruits and to players to let them know that there's a lot of stakeholders that are invested in this. Um, sometimes, you know, I've seen some, some donations come in that are, um, that some might look at and say, you know, that's a small dollar donation or whatever, but that I actually, um, that I don't want to say those are more, more meaningful, but when I see that, I, I typically think, Hey, here's somebody who, who may not have a ton of resources, but they love, they love the Bearcats and they love what, what it means to be a student athlete and how freaking hard that is. Um, and, and they are taking their limited resources and investing in it regardless, um, because they, they, they care so much. So I, I actually, uh, have an emotional connection when I see those. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's, uh, that's important. So you guys have launched fairly recently, what, like within the last month or so? Uh, like a week and a half, week and think, a half. How, something like that. Yeah. How has the... You know, how do you feel it's gone so far? How has the response been? It's been um, uh, surprisingly well. So these take a little while to stand up. Um, you know, there, there are some collectives that I've seen around the country, even at big, you know, that are supporting large um, uh, athletic programs that have really struggled out of the gate. Uh, we have not. And and so I'm, I'm delighted by that. I think it's a testament to you know, our folks getting the, the importance of it. I think, you know, seeing Luke Fickle leave to go to another program um, and knowing that, look, um, coaches come and go, but we're here, right? We're, we're here until, uh, until our, our dying breath. And so, you know, it, there's some, there's an ownership piece that, that, yeah, we want coaches to be good stewards of programs while they're employed at the university, but, but you know, as as fans and alumni and supporters, we too are also stakeholders. And guess what? We we're sticking around uh, through sickness and in health. And and so um, yeah, so I think a coach's departure has a way of illustrating how important it is for us to take ownership of it. Because you know that that hero on the hill isn't necessarily going to come down and bail us out. Anything else you want to touch on? Any 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 stuff that you feel like you've left on the table here tonight? We we this is about educating and sure. making sure the fan base knows like what this is about is about, where it comes from, where it goes, um, how you can help, how you can support. 
Uh, I just want to give you a chance if there's anything else you feel like you need to say. I don't think there's anything else. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm nerdy and kind of wonkish about how this all developed, but, um, I don't know that everybody wants a history lesson. Um, <laughs> give them a, sh- you got the cliff notes version. I'll, I'll give you, yeah, sure. And the, and the Brian Fox cliff notes version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could be here a while. You said you got a case to get back to buckle up. Um, so, well, so how, how it ended up here. So in, in 1984, there was a case um, involving the University of Oklahoma. And in that case, there was a question about um, providing benefits beyond just the cost of tuition. And in that case, um, the Supreme Court at that time, as you know, courts change personnel. At that time, they said the NCAA was not engaging in anti-competitive behavior by imposing these limitations. And if you think about what life looked like in in 1984, when that decision was issued, um, it was way different. Barry Switzer was the head coach of the University of Oklahoma at that time, and his salary was $75,000 a year, um, which in today's uh, walking around change in spending power is worth <laughs> like 215 grand. Um, now, of course, you know, college uh, athletics is, a, I want to say, either a four or six billion dollar industry, and coaches. Uh, are making well above uh, $75,000 a year. They're making so, $75,000 a day. Yeah, they are making <laughs> a whole lot. And so, you know, when the Supreme Court uh, evaluated the the question, the same, pretty much the same question, um, but um, I guess 40 years later, the development of collegiate athletics had changed such that, you know, it, it, was seen as a viable, strong marketplace competitor. And so um, they issued that unanimous decision in the Alston case. And there was the, the, the decision was written by um, Justice Gorsuch, um, but there was a, a concurring opinion um, that was written by Justice Kavanaugh. And he kind of went over the top and threw out a really strong marker and said, um, this this sure as heck looks like antitrust here and and so that was a unanimous decision think about how divided the supreme court has been on so many issues that are contentious these days they were unanimous and if anything the majority on the supreme court only uh got stronger even though that that was the entire supreme court that made that decision so because of that you now have the ncaa looking at that precedent and being um, undoubtedly fearful about making any sort of headway or unnecessary encroachment into this NIL space, because for them, they're already facing this battle for their relevance. And they're already struggling with, you know, um, you know, a world in which if they try to step out there, let's say, you know, so there are two things that the NCAA has as message. One is you can't do pay for play, meaning, you know, a student athlete, you can't uh, condition compensation on their willingness to compete in athletics. And then secondarily, it can't be an improper inducement. You can't, um, can, you know, condition compensation to a student athlete to play at a particular institution. Well, how does the NIL space look now? And are those anything more than, as, as John said, semantics? You know, you take uh, BYU, 
is a good example of this, um, illustrating why the NCAA is kind of appears to be very powerless. So BYU, there was a protein bar company that um, entered into a deal uh, whereby they were going to um, issue a stipend for scholarship athletes of a thousand dollars football with a football team, thousand dollars per scholarship player. All right. And then if you were a walk on, they were going to provide you with a stipend that covered the full cost of attendance at BYU. Now, if That's you think way, about way more than the thousand dollars, the scholarship guys are getting right. And it, how is that not just an extra scholarship? And how is that not an improper inducement to attend BYU? And how is that you not get a lot of a, really good walk-ons if you can give them <laughs> do that? Yeah, right. And how is that not a uh, violation of the pay for play prohibition? And so, you know, again, I think there's a reason that the NCAA has been you know, pretty flat footed in trying to step out there and, and enforce this. I, I, I have to wonder whether somebody behind the scenes hasn't, you know, some attorney hasn't pulled them aside and said, Hey, don't, you know, if we try to get out there and enforce these rigidly, we're screwed. Um, you know, uh, we're already, you know, facing a battle for our relevance in the college football landscape. We're worried that the conferences are going to just take over. And then we're going to be left with what, right? College basketball, maybe, but then do the conferences take that over and negotiate, you know, the media rights for the NCAA tournament. So I think that they are in a precarious position. And, you know, if you're, if you've spent much time reading some of the analysis that's come out of this, or you've spent much time um, just thinking through the, the practical application of, the guidance that the NCAA has provided, there are holes all over the place. And, and there's very little, you know, infrastructure or, um, you know, regulatory guidance that provides folks with much direction on how to do this, how to structure it, how to practically apply these things in their given context. And so what you see are, you know, schools across the country, some are just flatly ignoring the um you know the the ncaa's guidance i i think i suspect um and and so you know uh, at university of cincinnati at least you know you've got a guy in john cunningham who is conscientious and who does want to do things right and is trying to play the long game in the event that things would uh shake out differently later on in terms of enforcement but um but it's important so is that too, was that too lengthy or nerdy? You're muted, Chad. Our guy Tong <laughs> says you could have a part-time job reading bedtime stories. I'd love to read you a bedtime story, nephew. Uh, thanks to Dave Tangeman. Um, how does the band fit in? They're underfunded in comparison to our peers. They're not, the band's not connected to athletics, right? Like there's that's, not. That's right. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do in this umbrella, right? I don't think. No, no. Okay. And then Tonk, uh, we wanted to know if John Cunningham's office smelled of rich mahogany, which yes, it looked like it did. If you're going to be holed up in your basement, that's a that's a pretty nice setup to be holed up in. Yes, very, very nice, very nice built-ins. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, just uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There is more coming 
in the partnership between Cincy Reigns and Bearcat Journal. That's right. That's right. Chad and I, uh, based upon our long uh, friendship and uh, mutual affections, have talked about what is a way that we can um, provide a forum for BCJ, the, the BCJ tribe, to get engaged and um, and and to mutually benefit our growing footprint and make a difference in University of Cincinnati athletics. So we're going to try to forge some sort of neat little partnership um, going forward. And I, I think we're okay to say this. Hopefully, as if everything works out as planned, there will be more opportunity for University of Cincinnati athletes to use Cincy Reigns and Bearcat Journal and the Bearcat Journal, the large and growing rapidly Bearcat Journal community to produce their thoughts, their content. Their, yes. When you're talking about 18 to 22 year olds, they are all in the content game right yeah. now. And we want to find a way to merge the Bearcat Journal community and the athletes uh, that are on campus at the University of Cincinnati. And that's not just football and basketball and baseball that we cover extensively, but volleyball and soccer and swimming and diving and golf. And I had a conversation with Doug Martin yesterday about the, some opportunities that, that we want to talk about. And uh, I think this will do be. I get to play the, do I get to like have a challenge against the, the players? I told him there is an opportunity with Dave Simone to get some more golf content on the site. Oh, and yeah, we could we embed go. you in the golf program, Dave. I'd be all about that. Love it. Maybe you could send yeah. me on to some of their like uh, nice warm weather tournaments that they go to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll be a I'll be the golf correspondent for America. No, you get you get to cover like uh, February matches at the local country. Yeah, club. those don't exist. Hate to break well, it to you. <laughs> I, I would say this. So as as Chad, you and I talked about this, like. Um, you know, there are, there are plenty of folks, there are plenty of, um, uh, let's say, uh, self-interested folks who have gotten involved in the NIL space. And for me, the one of the reasons that I, I started the, uh, the media thing that I did a while ago and, and have remained engaged and, and interested is because I do think there's a way to make a difference um, you know, I especially think there's a way that we can make a real positive difference with with Cincy Reigns and with with the BCJ partnership is um, my my hope is that down the road that we can, you know, turn the you know, we got to build it one step at a time. Sure. But down the road, I'd really like to be impactful for these young know, young men and women who are suiting up and, you know, and wearing a CPAW. I want them to leave. The university not just with a piece of paper that says that they you know were had a criminal justice major and they attended their classes and checked those boxes but i want them to leave with soft skills and some practical um you know tools that they can deploy down the road when they're no longer playing you know what two percent of collegiate athletic athletes end up in the pros and the shelf life of their professional careers is pretty limited and so thinking about how we can be make a positive difference and help train and encourage folks to find their passions and to learn how to you know responsibly build a, a platform and 
and and do something with it to make a, a, a positive difference for their own financial future, but also for the folks that they interact with. That's that's certainly um, one of my heartbeats. We're going to help them, those that are interested, and try to help them build a brand. Yep. Uh, Brian holds the bag. Dave carries the bag. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm nobody's. I'm nobody's caddy. <laughs> All right, man. I know you've got a lot of work to do. We appreciate All you right. giving uh, us a large chunk of your time on this uh, yeah. delightful Wednesday evening. Uh, we will. We will. We will be talking a lot. And yes, indeed. We will. We will have uh, further details as they are uh, available. So the great appreciate Brian Fox. Bring it in. Thank you. Love you guys. See you, brother. Talk soon. See you. There you go. All right. I think that's if you're looking for the details on what Cincy Reigns is about, what their goal is, how they're going to do this. I don't know that you'll get anywhere a better description with both John Cunningham and Brian Fox providing all of those details on how to get involved, how to be um uh, an impactful force uh, as we enter a new world, Dave. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll continue to, you know, be a place that you can go to ask questions about it. I mean, it's, it's very, very new, but you know, it's, we need to, this is, this is, this is the, this is the deal of college athletics moving forward. Just like John said with, it being a part of the coaching search, this is a way that we can, as a fan base, whether it's the BCJ community or just the Bearcat community as a whole, like you can have a tangible, make a tangible difference in how your team performs. You know, it helps retain players. It helps get players, not because you're just handing them money, but because there are opportunities for them here that are, bigger, more abundant uh, than other schools and going into the big 12 and going up against programs that have well-established either collectives or just athletic department budgets that we're not anywhere near yet. You know, every little bit is going to make a difference. So no matter what it is, if it's not, the number is not too small. Yeah. Um, and that, just an inside look at, at kind of what we're thinking. Um, we are in the in the works and it's still in the early stages. And we want to make sure we get this right um, of developing a Cincy Reigns, a premium Cincy Reigns board uh, on Bearcat Journal. That will be the home for content from student athletes, podcasts, video, short, short form video uh, uh, content. Um, written content, player journals. Uh, think of like what we've seen from the Players Tribune, uh, where you know you have a player that if they're if they're looking into potentially writing being a career for them, all right. Well, then let's get a journal once a week uh, through your season. If you're looking, you know, we've we've talked to uh, somebody on the the basketball team uh, of doing a, a podcast with them, where every week they have a new member of the the team. Come on the podcast with them and sit down and, and chop it up and ask questions, answer questions. And uh, there's a lot of different ideas that we're sorting through right now. And we want to make sure 
that when we launch this thing, we do it right and we do it effectively. Um, and we have all our ducks in a row, but that's kind of where my thought process is at. I won't, I, I have no intention. Uh, I do not intend to make a dime or take a dime. Um, but I want Bearcat Journal to be a conduit for when these kids are here. If you have people that want to get in the content game, why shouldn't we step up and help? We've been doing this for 16 years now, and we took something from zero, right? Absolute zero. And built it up into the biggest media entity covering the Cincinnati Bearcats on the planet. And I think the right thing to do is to open that up. And if the players, if there's if there's guys that want to uh, get in that game, if there's gals that want to get in that game, let's open the community to them. You guys are the ones, you guys make this possible. So you guys are the ones that will be supporting them and consuming their content and adding to the value uh, of your Bearcat Journal subscription. So um, that's kind of where I'm at and just wanted to be open and transparent. I don't want to pin John and Brian on anything right now because, like I said, we're still working through it. But that's that's a Chad Brendel thought process on uh, how I think Bearcat Journal can have an impact and help these guys as well. So we will be involved heavily. Uh, Brian and I are very close and we're good friends. And um, I think he's got uh, an infrastructure and a system that's going to be great uh, taking UC into the future. And there we go. Um, let's get rolling into uh, the normal show. Uh, Matthew Thomas. As a Louisville fan, I just wanted to tell you all thank you. Matthew, piss off. That's I'll just weird. do it right there. Yeah. Why? Like, you know what I didn't do at all? I didn't go to a Wisconsin podcast to say a word. They hired a good coach. Guess what? If you look at their resumes, Matthew Thomas, Scott Satterfield and Jeff Brom are twins. They're twins. And you guys can't stop tripping over yourself to praise Jeff Braun and run uh, Jeff Braun and run Scott Satterfield out of town. Get the hell out of here. Fuck him. Get him out of here. Bye. Get him Bye. out of here. <laughs> Bye. Um, you, yeah, that's the one thing. Like the Louisville fans have been really, really weird. Like they um, are um, obsessed it, with this. It is, it is odd. Like, I mean, every fan base has crazies. I mean, shit. But like, there's been more Louisville fans in the Bearcat Journal mentions over the last couple of days than any other any, fan base. Any ever. other fan base ever. Never forget, fan is short for fanatic. Like the picture, like uh, Jaden Davis, who's a Louisville commit right now, uh, has two UC coaches doing an in-home visit tonight, and like. These just mentions are just like flooded with people, and there's this one guy in particular, one person in particular that I've seen all the time that just sends the same like three screen grabs or whatever every time, and it's just it's super weird. Like, you know, you're you're happy that this coach left and that you were able to hire Jeff Brom, like. Why would you spend a single second? You got the guy you wanted. Right. That's my thing. It's like, why would you spend a single second concerned about anything else that was going on outside of your team? It's just weird. 
Right. I, I, I don't know. But anyway. <clears throat> you jumped on Monday night and you gave us your initial, well, you're on Monday morning when it happened. <laughs> yes. And then you jumped on Monday night. Uh, anything, anything over, additional over the past couple of days that you want to add to the conversation uh, as we get started in the Scott Satterfield era? Not in particularly. I mean, I think there's just a lot of newsy things that we need to go over because if you're not glued to the message board, you're probably, you know, missing some of it. But no, I don't. I don't think there's anything new. Just on the on the straight, you know, conversation of him as a coach, him as, uh, you know, my opinion on the hire, things of that nature. I don't really have anything necessarily new there. Uh, Drew, bring, Drew brings up another funny one. Uh, can we get a call into Elon about Coach's Twitter handle? Need to get that. You, yeah, Drew, that's because for whatever the, reason. The idiot Louisville fans. Took a bunch of off. Louisville fans just signed up for different names for Twitter accounts. With his name in different ways, you can put UC in it. Like, I've done weird. a lot of, you know, things that most people would be like, that's pretty weird. Uh, never crossed my mind to be like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to sign up for a Twitter account so that someone else can't use the name. It's just strange. It's very strange. I but. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some coaches because we're starting right. to starting to have a, a coaching staff come into uh, focus. That this is what we're going to get a hundred times. So I'm just going to ask you right now. And there you go. How concerned should I be that he's just bringing all the Louisville coaches? Well, who did you think he was going to bring? Ten well, coaches they, from all different staffs. He got a he got a big uh, salary pool, so that means he has to go and not hire anybody he's comfortable working with. No, that just means those guys get nice raises. That's the way it works everywhere. But but that's where the thought process in this fan base is right now. Is he got this large coaching or this large pool to work from? So that means he has to get rid of all his coaches that he's familiar with and go hire new coaches that are very expensive that he's not familiar with. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like if you didn't think he was going to bring a, a handful of guys from Louisville, like I, I don't know what to say then. Um, he still has five positions to fill. And so, the recruiting department where there's only, well, I'm just talking about like the 10, the strength on, and conditioning coach, yeah. the 10 on the field coaches. That the people were mainly caring about from a like a recruiting standpoint and you know the whole Ohio uh, relationships and which I think is is vitally important. But he has five spots still to fill, so I don't really uh, I don't really understand. He, he said he's going to go get the best coaches in the country. Uh, do you think he he was working with guys that he thought were not? Great coaches. You think he had a staff at Louisville that he was like, man, these guys, these guys suck. No, he hired them. I yeah. Think. I mean, you're always going to hire the guys off your staff first. 
because they're the most familiar with what you're trying to do. Like if he hired just X coach right now, that guy has no idea like about their system, has no idea about their recruits, has no idea about guys on the Louisville roster that may be going into the portal. Um, like those guys I think will come, but your, your first hires are always going to be the guys that are on your, I mean, Luke brought five people right from UC and now he's starting to hire other people. This is the important part. Would you rather you have coaches on staff ready to go and recruit because everybody remember you got to hire. This is what I love, Dave, the hypocrisy of the, the changing narrative. You have to hire a coach before Monday. You can't wait until you can't, this is taking too long. You got to hire a coach. The portal opens and, and, and the, the signing day is in da 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 da. And you gotta get you gotta get people in because you can't be behind. And then he gets hired and they want him to interview and go through a hiring process for 10 spots while not recruiting the transfer portal and having coaches out on the road recruiting high school kids. It can't be both. He has to get the guys he's comfortable with from Louisville in town to start working their connections in the transfer portal and to start going out on the road and trying to get things in line for signing day. Yeah. I mean, you had two official visit weekends for high school players. I think as long as you're, I agree, Rick, as long as you're in the portal, you can still take visits after the dead period for high school kids it's just a matter of can you get enrolled into a school fast enough if you're trying to get into the spring semester. It's not that you struck a nerve, UCF superfan. It's the, it's the same conversation that's happening on the message board and it's happening on Twitter. Like everybody said one thing all the way up until the guy was hired and then the narrative changed and goes against everything that they said the week before. That strikes a nerve. You have – okay, hire a coach with power five – uh, a coaching experience. Well, not that one. Hire a guy that's uh, ahead of the curve on NFL, NIL. Well, not that one. Hire a guy that's active in the transfer portal. Well, not that one. Get a staff in place so we can re- we can't miss the start of the transfer portal period. We have to be ready for uh, signing day. Well, not th- not like that. Like it can't. Everybody is asking for both right now. And yeah, that strikes a nerve because I have to hear it every damn day, like every minute of every damn day. For those on the podcast only version, uh, it, it, the comment that Chad was agreeing with by Rick was it would tell me more about Satterfield if no one wanted to come along. Thank you. Please like and subscribe. Yeah, I mean, he could be talking to coaches that are like, I need, you know, I need to, I want to fulfill this responsibility. I mean, like, what if he's talking to an offensive coordinator that, or uh, someone that he wants to be his offensive coordinator that is playing it for them an important bowl game? Maybe not a playoff game, but maybe an important bowl game. You know, it doesn't, I just, just like with recruiting, everybody, you know, losing their mind over the decommitments and, you know, guys going into the portal, and what do you know? We've had this coach for two, not even like three days. We've had the staff coming together, 
and they're clearly already making inroads with with high school recruits, making inroads with transfers. Like there is a progression. Things take time. The the most vital people that he has the closest relationships come first, and then once they're able to now like give coaches out on the road recruiting, which now gives him the opportunity to make some phone calls, try to figure out who his strength coach is going to be, talk to some people about maybe who his offensive coordinator might be, other position coaches that are still open. It's it can't all happen at the same time and and immediately. There is, you know, steps that go in go into this. So we all we obviously all want it to be right back up and running and full speed ahead as quickly as possible. But like you've got five assistant coaches that are now out on the road, a head coach in place. The head coach was officially in place uh you know, mo- Monday morning, Monday early afternoon, and you, know, you have half of a staff put together. They're clearly working the portal like way more than the last staff ever did. I mean, I'm, I'm able to see that, you know. Um, now, will that mean that there will be a bunch of portal additions? I don't know. You have to get the guys. But like the portal, I'm well aware of several high school kids that they are going after that I'm not putting on the board yet because I don't think it requires to be put on there. I need to see more happen there. But like, there is tons of stuff going on right now. And just because a very specific segment of coaches hasn't been added yet, doesn't mean that it's not going to be added. Um, you know, it's just, these are the coaches that are, were always going to be added first. He was always going to bring the guy, whatever guys he wanted from Louisville. were always going to be first. Right. He doesn't have to interview him. He doesn't have to, Take calls. I mean, who knows? There could be 20 people banging down his door to, to be offensive coordinator. Maybe he likes three of them. But that takes time to, to work around schedules and to get that all figured out. And and you see to run the background. Like, they don't just, they're just going to be like, yep, come on. Yep, get on the road. Want, let's go. You, you want this guy? Okay, come on. Like, there has to be some compliance involved, even though it might take a long time for them to be officially hired they're not just going to go well coach satterfield said this guy's fine let's let's employ him now (laughs) and look the rational takes that's what we try to accomplish here we try not to be too far on this side of the opinion base too far on this side of the opinion base sometimes aaron gets a little wild one way or the other but (laughs) for the most part like we try to be pretty down the middle and fair. And look, guess what? If Scott Satterfield stinks as the head coach of Cincinnati, we will have to talk about it. And we will we, we will not be saying everything's fine. But I'll tell you right now, like if, if he puts his whole staff together and Harry Combs it's, is the only guy with like true Ohio ties, I'm going to be like, that's not enough. This isn't going to work. I've already right. said it. Right. Like it's, But – he still has five spots open. Exactly. So like I'm not gonna can, I'm not gonna push him off the edge of the building before he's before he even tells me, you know, shows me the whole story. Right. But that's where people are at, Dave. Right now. Right now. I need to know right now. And guess what? There's also a reality 
then it's 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 a risky reality. But there's also this reality, Dave. Louisville tried to recruit Ohio. They just weren't in Ohio. Luke Fickle was pretty much getting what he wanted that weren't going to the Blue Bloods. And Ohio was a very tough place for Louisville to crack. And now they're at Cincinnati, which should make recruiting Cincinnati quite a bit easier because kids here, some of them, would like to stay home. You have to hit on those. But that's not to say we can completely rule out that he's got somebody that has built relationships in Ohio. They just maybe haven't been able to win the battles yet. But I fully agree in that you have to do, like, and we don't know about Carrie yet, but you have to do more than just we hired Carrie Combs in terms of we're going to recruit Ohio. Yes, we're gonna make I've, Ohio said, I've said too, like, you recruit where you need to recruit and where you have connections. And while to me, Louisville is very close, 100 miles away, it makes sense to recruit Ohio. When the when all of, well, not all, because you have Boston College, Virginia Tech, Pitt, Syracuse, but like, just like UC is going to a Texas-centric conference, you know, Louisville was in a, Southern centric conference, a North Carolina, Georgia, right. Florida centric conference. You're going to recruit those areas. Yeah, you should try to go to Ohio because Ohio has a lot of good players and and you are fairly close, but like you need to go where your players are, where the players that your other your competition is recruiting, where they're gonna go to their parents are gonna be able to go to a lot of their games. I mean, if they were go recruit a kid from North Carolina. You got NC State, Duke, Wake, North Carolina. Like, half the damn conference is practically in North Carolina. Right. So, like, of course he's going to go recruit there. So, like, just like you – like, the way I envision it is he recruits Ohio and how Fickle and those guys used Indiana, Michigan, Chicago as, like, the – The backbone. In, the ancillary pieces – that's where they'll use Florida, Georgia, North Carolina. And they've also recruited a little bit in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have... So they should have some footprint up there, at least, you know, some And they're, they're recruiting a little bit in, in Texas already when they were at Louisville. I mentioned, I put a thing up about a guy on on, on the board on the boards today. Um, so it's... I just think there's, to me right now, like nothing that, at least to me, nothing that has happened to this point is surprising. So I don't, and not surprising in a good nor bad way. It just seems very, very much like I thought it would go. And so I don't really understand like the, the consternation in, in it all, you know, but believe me, if, if things shake out in, three weeks and it's no different then yeah i'll have thing i'll flat say like it ain't gonna work man like you, you can't just have a guy or right. like yes new coaches can go into schools and they can build relationships but if you've been but you're recruiting, playing from behind for a little while when you do that well yeah because you know just you've been recruiting you have coaches that have gone into these schools 
Because you're dealing with Luke Fickle and Vince Morrow and Marcus yeah. Freeman and Mike Mickens and all the guys from Ohio State. Like, yeah, you're at a disadvantage if you haven't recruited Ohio and you're trying to go get a really good player that one of those other guys is on. That's damn near impossible. Dean Smith brings up something that's funny to me. It's like I th- He says, I think we're dealing with PTSD of Tubbs recruiting style. Even without the state local ties, the staff appears to be willing to try the funny part about the Tubbs thing is like, yeah, he didn't recruit Ohio really well or at all, but like he actually did recruit a lot of really good players. He just couldn't develop them for, for anything. <laughs> so it was like the players that he did get from out of the state were pretty good. They just didn't spend very much time or didn't know how to, to get them to be good football players. Uh, Richard, thank you for the donation. Why haven't we gotten any big money hires yet? Uh, let, let me... I'm going to try to calmly explain this this time because I was a little worked up last time. What happens when you make a new hire, right? Somebody, somebody you don't necessarily have somebody that didn't work for you at your old job. There's an interview process. There's a decision-making process. It, It took John Cunningham eight days, nine days to hire a head coach. And when you're going through that process, it takes time. It's not as immediate as here are the guys that are coming with me from my previous school. There was a group of guys two days after Luke Fickle left that were still hanging out on the seventh floor of the Linder Center waiting for Wednesday when they hopped on a private jet to Madison, Wisconsin. And then we knew when those guys got on that plane that they were headed to the coaching staff at Wisconsin. And what we are learning now in the 48 hours after the Scott Satterfield hire are the people that are driving up I-71 and um, finding residence at a, at a Hilton property for the next couple of weeks. Any new hire is going to take a little bit more time because you have to go through a hiring process. You have to go through interviews and find out you may, you may on paper, like a guy that's an expensive hire or, or, or what people are looking for, a big money hire. But if you don't have already a, a developed relationship with that person, then you're going to have to go through an interview process and you're going to have to sit down with them and you're going to have to learn what they're about. And you're going to have to see if their values match your values. And you're going to have to see if what they say about recruiting and NIL and the transfer portal and all of those things fit into what your vision of the next chapter of UC football looks like. If it's guys that you've worked with at the place that you were just employed, those guys are easy because you know what you say to them? I'm coming? All right. Like I, I can tell you from talking to my contact in Louisville, who is as close to the Louisville football program as anybody is as close to anything in this business, Louisville tried to keep the running back coach, Sims, that 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 I think probably just drove across the bridge into the 513. When I reported that, he was on I-71 on his way to Cincinnati. Yeah. And that's Jeff why Brown, I was comfortable Jeff Brown talked it. to him. Interviewed him today. And tried to counts, get him to stay. By all accounts, the conversation was great, and he chose yeah. not to stay. Like, so, I just – would you rather, I guess I just don't understand the, 
Yes, we've seen Ruben Owen, Ruben Owens commits to Texas A&M. He was never coming to Cincinnati. I don't understand the issue with the timing. Wouldn't you just rather him get who he thinks the best coach is, regardless of how long it takes? That's also a great point, Matt. Luke Fickle got his offensive coordinator today. It took a week. Remember, I mean, this may not register for everybody, but Bengals fans will remember when they were hiring the defense when Zach was hiring place, the They almost wanted to. They no, they not almost. They wanted to fire. Zach Taylor. Oh, it, was what taking, it was taking forever. And, and how could I mean this guy this is the guy you got and took you a month after you got the job to hire Lou Anarumo? Like, and then they wanted to fire Lou Anarumo when he had a, a group of players that were trash. Terrible bunch of terrible players. So like I know it's have some patience, it's, it's the old, you know the the stupid you know Aaron Rodgers thing, but like just relax. We're two, we're, we are what not even three full days in to the Scott Satterfield era, like sixty hours. We're, we're and two and a half days into the Scott Satterfield era. <laughs> Sixty-one hours, I think, almost exactly. So. Well, 61 I mean, I like, hours for I'm, me, 62 hours if you work for the Yankees, you know, or 60, 59 hours, 60 hours. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by I these, next, these, these next two weeks of, of visits. Like, I like I was thinking about this today. You know how we joke all the time about how signing day is boring? Not this year. No, no. I don't think it's going to be boring this year. Like, it, you know what's going to be fascinating is, is finding out who's here this weekend. Yeah, this weekend and next weekend, like what yeah. trans what transfer guys? Because if you're a transfer guy and you take a visit, you're either like you better you you better be signing. Like that's where you're going. Yeah. Outside of some of the like absolute main, like you know the one kid that they offered today, the defensive end from Coastal Carolina, who, I mean, well, the, the transfer portal's different. Tra- signing day has nothing to do with the transfer portal. No, no, I just mean like if you if if any of the transfers are visiting. Yeah. Then, you know. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, there's, we'll see if any of these kids that they, the Louisville commits, can they get any of them to, to visit? Um, you know, I think, you know, Todd, Todd asked about, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't see you had one pulled up. Wrong and immediate is far more damaging than right plus a week later, like, like Joker Phillips. Joker Phillips tanked the wide receiver room for three years. You make a great point, Natalie. Well said. There you go. You can go to Todd now. No, Richard's got a money question. Todd's get the pass because Richard's okay, got yeah, you're right. $2 out there. Did Luke Fickle have any issues with former players? Um, I think it's really hard once you get into the weeds to – do what former players like feel like they need to be engaged. Um, I know the, the letterman's club has done a great job. They do, they have an awesome tailgate. Uh, those guys work extremely hard. We've had, you know, segments of them on here. Uh, a lot of the, some of those guys that were on the zoom uh, have done, you know, a podcast here, um, especially last year when they, when we had the round table going into, 
the the college football playoff. Um, but I, it, it seemed like in the in the eye of the storm, he was doing a good job with former players. But I guess what happens is, Dave, and I think this is you're going to get this. Like I almost feel like it happens with every coaching change. The guys that are on the periphery um, feel like they they're not included, right? Like the Travis Kelseys, the Jason Kelseys, the Ahmad Gardners, the Desmond Ritters. Sure, I mean you can't the- be you can't be everything to everyone. You're trying to win games. You're trying to recruit. There are hundreds to- and hundreds and hundreds of former players, and they have they have the golf outing. They have the captain's breakfast. They have. Like they do a lot of things, and and maybe that maybe that I mean I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying I think no because really we don't we don't know everybody. what they've right how many times they've reached they yeah. they have reached out trying to to do something where they've gotten no response or rebuffed or whatever. So yeah, I mean it's it's hard for us to to answer. Uh, I want this five dollars personally because I feel like I forced him to give a five dollar donation by saying his question got skipped. Um, but Todd asks initial thoughts on the new <clears throat> O-line coach coming with Scott Satterfield. Uh, he seems, I want to make sure I get his name correct, Nick Cardwell. He seems to be very well liked, one. Um, you know, in, 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 you know, perusing their message boards, it sounded like they had nothing but nice thing, nothing but good things to say about him just as a person in general, but really seemed like the players and the recruits liked him a lot. Um, you know, we've already seen one offensive lineman enter the portal. I'm not sure if that's related to him leaving the coaching staff, leaving what have you, you know, I've heard that some, that they have two, two offensive line commits that I think a lot of what they're going to do is was dependent on if he was still there or not. Now they still might go to Louisville. They might go somewhere else, but you know, I think offensively they were really good running the ball two years ago. Not as good this year. Their offense just as a whole took a step back this year. Cunningham was Malik Cunningham was hurt quite a bit. He was, he was hurt and injured and and they in and out. They, you know, they had to bring in a couple transfer running backs that were still good. I mean, their two main running backs rushed for 1,200 yards and about six yards of carry combined. Yeah. Malik um, Cunningham ran for a bunch of yards too. But um, but the year before that, they averaged well over 200 yards. I think they were very high in the nation in rushing touchdowns, something like 29 rushing touchdowns. I've looked at so many different coach bios and stats that it all – I don't know what year runs into what, but I mean, I, th- I think there's positive things to take away from a lot of the coaches that have been hired so far, but like, like anything else, like we got to see how it translates. Like I'm not going to get super excited over some coaches getting hired at the beginning of December. <clears throat> um, did you get your, your fraud dollars? I sent it to you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. 
Yeah, that that UCF fanboy accounts are mocking you and screen grabbing these podcasts. Yeah. Stay hinged. Don't be unhinged like Aaron was last Monday, and people won't mock you. Aaron gave the Louisville fan base hours and hours of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely just me. Yeah, just me. What happened the first seven minutes of that podcast is what they are screen grabbing and making fun of. Yeah, that was you, bro. I, I you threw a hissy that. fit and left. I missed that. I need to go. Do I need to go back and watch? Mark Ennis is <clears throat> one of the bigger Louisville accounts. Has <clears throat> compl- yeah, like said that the Cincinnati fan base is melting down oh. because Aaron had a bad morning or bad evening because his I'm daughter was sick. I'm sorry, I couldn't. Like, it is what it is. I'm not mad at Aaron. He had a bad day. Like, it, it, we all have bad days. Yeah. Like, Aaron and I have talked about, the difference is our bad days are on video. So, Aaron was in a pissy mood. I disagreed with him. Aaron didn't want to deal with me. So, he just didn't deal with me. But the Louisville fans took it as these guys are losing their mind because Cincinnati hired Scott Satterfield. And it had absolutely nothing was to do with Scott Satterfield. Aaron, would you agree with that part? Is that fair? My point is, it was after I was being yelled at for having an opinion that was different than Chad's. I wasn't yelling. You mistake I'm, me having a conversation for yelling. If I'm yelling, you will know that I'm yelling. I was just saying, compare Scott Satterfield at Appalachian State to Jeff Brom at Western Kentucky. Or like, if you're going to look at, I think Sean Lewis was the argument at that, that conversation at that point in time, right? Yeah. I said... I was making the point that if you're going to talk about Sean Lewis at Kent State, compare Scott Satterfield's similar level to when he was at Appalachian State. And you said, quit yelling at me, and you left. Fair? Like I said, it was it was there was there was two people at play in what happened there. And it was yelling. Me making a point and you I don't know if having you watched a bad day. Back. I don't know if you watched the clip back, but it was certainly yelling. You two knock it off. Both of you always have to get the last word in. Shut the hell up. Dude, we spend 30 hours a week doing this right now, it feels like. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah. uh, So is there anything about any of the coaches that we've – looks like they're going to be – there was an article. I'm leaving that up to you right now because I'm still running around like a chicken with my head cut off because I can't say no to radio at times that I don't need to be doing radio, Dave. Well, what what is caught? What else are you, what else is causing you to run with your chick, head with chicken cut off? Well, I have to do rate. I have to prepare a radio show, which is not a like. It's not like you're just like, oh, turn the mic on and I'm going to talk for three. It's not like this. I can oh, do man. this all day. The Bengals are good. Just do that. Talk about that. You have to come up with topics and research the topics and make sure you have valid points to make. Talk about how two weeks ago I said they were the best team in the AFC. And here they are. Now they're now they're eight and two in their last ten. <laughs> but um, you got to do research, a, and then here. as soon as I get home from radio, I have to do this. We'll talk. We'll talk this. There was an article. I, I want to know your thoughts on the higher coaching hires, and then my thoughts don't matter because I haven't had time to sit down yet. There was an article today on uh, footballscoop.com where we first found out about uh, Derek Nicholson, linebacker coach, coming as well. We'd had some 
I don't think we had had it officially that the offensive line coach was coming at least last night, but Mick had been talking to some recruits and, and he was talking to them already and going yeah. to their schools. So put two and two together. Um, but in the article, it talked about some more people coming, <clears throat> which could mean coaches, but it also could mean support staff and, and other staff members like that, because with both teams in this bowl game that I honestly wish they would just freaking cancel. Um, like it's going to be a disaster for both teams. You know, there are guys that he probably wants to bring to UC that aren't immediately vital to what they're trying to do for the next couple of weeks that can kind of like finish their responsibilities, be good soldiers for, for Louisville, help out with the bowl game, and then come after that. I'm sure that's the case with like your quality control coaches, some of your maybe recruiting staff, uh, things of that nature. So uh, UCS Superfan asks, do we even have enough staff to call the bowl game? Honestly, I mean, not in the sense of like doing it well, but they have like <laughs> – they have, you know, I guess Gino. He's still a UC staff member. Um, I, I do not believe he has been at bowl practices this week. Oh, so he, he just quit? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I will be at bowl practice tomorrow. So I guess this is something I can address more um, tomorrow night on the nightcap. But I don't think Gino's been around. Okay, so maybe he's not. But uh, he also could be interviewing for head coaching positions, interviewing for offensive coordinator positions. Um, I don't think he's been around since uh, Todd. Stop! Like, (laughs) quit. Will you guys please quit dragging one of the legends of UC football just because like it makes you laugh? The guy's in the ring of honor. The guy is one of the reasons that this football program started to turn around. And because he had a bad year at offensive coordinator, you guys want to drag the guy's name and his reputation? Like, it, it's it's a bit much, man. It's a bit much. It's a bit much. He is on paternity leave also. He had a child a week ago today. Eh, whatever. <laughs> not a big deal. Yeah, not a um, big deal. You have Darren Page. You have uh, Jerry Walt. You have Nate Letton. Nate Letton, James Ross, Carrie yeah. Walt. And then you'll have your, um, you know, your quality control guys. Your, and, you know, it's, it's just how it goes this time of year. Louisville is going to be in the exact same spot. So it should be, a do- I, it, should, it should be a doozy. <laughs> my Louisville guy thinks Louisville's going to get drug in this game. And I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of think what you think. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, is, is Corleone even going to be healthy enough to play? Like we know Ben's not going to play. Uh, I, I would assume, you know, it's a, uh, the backfield of Prater and 
and maybe Kiner. Like, if you're Charles McClelland, are you really going to go out there and? No, absolutely and, not. Miles Montgomery, Ryan Montgomery, um, you know. <laughs> I love Thrifty Walrus. Holy crap. What a great. Uh, I would disagree with Dave on the canceling the bowl game. It's going to be a boost to my self-confidence with how poorly both teams look. Like, at least things aren't going that poorly for me. <laughs> well, there was another one I saw today. So Kentucky is playing Iowa. Will Levis is out. Uh, it's going to scratch the same itch as Colts versus yeah. Broncos on Thursday night. <laughs> Will Will Levis is Will Levis is out. Uh, I was, I think, top two quarterbacks have transferred. So you have like two of the worst offenses in college football against two of the best off defenses in college football. Did you see like, the number? With like no good offensive players playing. Did you see the number? The over-under? Yeah. No. I think it's dropped to – I think the last I saw tonight, it was at 31. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen a number? No. <laughs> there were Under several, 35? There were several Iowa numbers in the 30s this year. And one was, like, really, really low. I forget who it was against. And the under was just absolutely the wrong play. But I took it anyway, just on principle. That, like, <laughs> just I wanted, to have it. I want to be say able you to. Had it to have I want to be it. able to say that if it hit, that I actually picked the under in a game that like had no business being the under. Yeah, uh, kicker uh, Christian Lowry is still on the roster. Kick? Why um, would we kick in this game? Right. Why? Like why you would should, you kick field goals in this game? You should run the triple option. You're going to have what? Will, Pauling, Blue Smith, Chris Scott. I Maybe Tyler. I, we don't know about Tyler. We haven't heard I mean, about Tyler. Yeah, no. There's no, nothing definitive. I'm just. I mean, I. if you're Trey Tucker, do you play in this game? Like, you can help yourself in this game if you're Trey Tucker. I still wouldn't. I think there's way more to lose than gain. He's just going to go to the. He's going to the, to the Senior Bowl. Like he's got the invite to the senior bowl, which almost guarantees the invite to the combine. Like he has no, there's absolutely no reason for him to play in this game. <laughs> you don't have to kick extra points, Todd. Uh, Darren says Iowa's QB situation will probably improve with not actually having one <laughs> on the roster. <laughs> it very well could. It very well could. <laughs> Uh, you have to really shank it to hit the green monster. It's behind the benches on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the long-awaited Bluesmith breakout game. All right, now we're getting into some – like, you guys are being fun now, which the the the, dis the depressing, like, geez, guys, come on. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you've got <laughs> – <laughs> who's who of who's that? Yep. The rosters are going to be a real who's who of who's that. I, Thrifty Walrus, I am going to hire you. Like I can't wait to see who the announcers are to see how deep they have Dave, to go into like the, you know, into the two deep and the three deep. Your job running the BCJ Twitter account might be in trouble with Thrifty Walrus. He might get access to the account Whatever. just to post one-liners. Because this guy for like two weeks has just, he hasn't missed. <laughs> He's the PFT commenter of the uh, the live chats. My goodness. 
the Prater breakout game. Would be great. Uh, Quincy Burroughs is in the portal, I believe. Or um, said he was going to the portal. Not officially. Not officially, but said he was going to the portal. Over, under on how many fans actually go to this oh, game. Oh, God. I mean, this will be a Temple-esque game. The only thing I think is I think there will people where there will be people that go just to like like go to a game at Fenway. I do Maybe. think there is some of that. Uh, sure. Yeah, I did see Blue Smith's Twitter. Uh, he posted, "I'm playing." LOL. If anyone's excited about my debut, <laughs> oh, Stephen will be there with his wife and kid. Yeah, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that yeah. on both sidelines. So, uh, what else do like? We can't really talk. I mean, there's not really individual players like that the staff is recruiting. I mean, they're they're definitely going after the what feels like the group of Louisville commits that are not tied to the Adidas. The Adidas NIL, stuff, yeah, yeah. Which it's hard to tell who's tied to what because like. I was. I mean, I have no idea because I don't look care to look into this stuff. But like someone, it's on the board, seven on seven. Like that's more Wild West than a. Someone on the board today said that their offensive line commit that's from just outside Atlanta was tied to the St. St. John's Bosco guys in California. I'm like, well, that yeah. I would have no idea about that because it makes no sense at all. Yeah, fair. Um, but you know they're. They've offered some of the high school commits. There's some other guys that they're in on that we'll see if maybe they that are uncommitted players. See if any of those guys show up over the next couple of weeks. Sure. Um, what? Sure. What? See if those guys show up over the next couple of weeks. Sure. Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting. I think that's the thing too, though. Like. The whole this whole Adidas thing for them does it just not feel like a house of cards? Um, yes and no. It's a house of cards in that it is one specific person that is connected to Adidas being the 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 guy that's the the dad of the quarterback recruit running this quarterback academy. So it was a way for Adidas to funnel money into the quarterback academy to get and and again, like I've talked about, like Louisville and Adidas are like Louisville is Adidas's flagship. Like that's their they have I, I think Louisville's getting twelve million dollars a year on their Adidas deal. So Louisville being good is important, very important to Adidas, more so than just about anybody else that has an Adidas contract. So when Louisville football hit the tank, it became very like important for Adidas to say, what can we do to help fix this? And this was a way that they felt they could help fix this, right? I, I get all that, but like, and I'm not saying this to like talk crap about them, but like a lot of these players are like very, very sought after recruits. They're not, they're, you know, high, high level guys offers to a lot of places, a lot of places that can probably do similar things for them as what Louisville slash Adidas is doing. 
at what point do they just go, yeah, I don't really want to play football there. I don't care about, like, I'm going to get something very similar here. Depends and I would on rather, how many dollars. And I would rather play football here. Depends on the dollars, Dave. If each kid's getting $100,000 to go to Louisville, you don't think, each kid's getting $250,000 to go to Louisville. You don't think USC, Texas A&M, Ohio State could, could do that? But you're dealing with the guy that was your – so most of these guys are Saint from St. John's Bosco yeah. in California. This guy is somebody that they've known since they were kids. So this is a guy they trust. And like it's a guy you trust. There's a shit ton of money involved. I just you're getting I to go there that, with your so boys. Like, I mean, do do we think that any of these guys will have like a three or four year career? At, Probably not. No. To, so like I'm looking at it from like my from my program. Like I know. But I'm looking at it from their perspective. It's, I just, I, I don't know if that's the way I want. Yeah, it's great. And then you, I don't know. It just feels like not a great way to build a recruiting class, not a great way to build a roster. So, any idea on the difference of NIL money between UC and Louisville? Um, they can be super far off, Jeffrey, because what you have to consider here is, Louisville is basically the same size as Cincinnati without any of the other things that Cincinnati has pulling dollars. There's no Bengals. There's no Reds. There's no Xavier. There's no FC Cincinnati. So all of the dollars in Louisville go to one of two places, UK or U of L. So the NIL stuff in Louisville is, Definitely considerably different than here because there it's very easy to galvanize that base and say you're you're part of this. Um, because you don't you're not pulled in as many different directions. So, you know, somebody that's willing to invest or willing to spend, let's just say spend like advertising dollars because I think advertising dollars are everybody talks about like, um, like it, it's going to come from donations, like donations to the university or what's going to have to change in terms of um, NIL for Cincinnati. And, and that's right in the Cincinnati scope, but in the Louisville scope, you don't have people spending a hundred thousand dollars on uh the Bengals. You don't have somebody spending $250,000 on the Reds. They're spending on the University of Louisville. So their money can be redirected a lot easier at the University of Louisville because all of the money is going to one place. We're here. The money is going to, like, look, there are companies we know, we know, are diehard Xavier companies. Listen to a Xavier basketball broadcast. There are five or six or seven companies you will never hear have any involvement in a UC broadcast. Why is that? The people that run and own those companies are Xavier people. There's stuff that you hear on the Bengals. There's stuff that you hear on the Reds that you won't hear at UC because those people have decided to put their money investment into the Bengals or their investment into the Reds. In Louisville, the investment is do you invest the money in Louisville or do you send your money to Lexington to support UK? 
That's it. That's the market. So that's one of the rare, like, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about uh, the Nebraska job, right, Dave? Mm -hmm. The Nebraska job is great because everybody there spends all of their money investing in Nebraska. Lincoln's not a major market. Nebraska doesn't have like a major metropolitan area, right? Correct. But all of the state focuses, focuses their money on the University of Nebraska. Louisville, the money in the city is focused on Louisville. Cincinnati, the money in the city is spread out in a vast like array of sporting options. And that's something that UC has to overcome. That's part of what Cincy Reigns has to navigate. That's part of what they have to overcome. And I think that's why you're seeing some crowdsourcing and, and you're seeing a different approach that we've never really seen before from UC, which is a place that Dave, we have talked about this a million times. UC has been a place that relies on their top 10 to 20 donors more than maybe anywhere in the country. And that can't be the case anymore. They have to change the way that they have, have approached that. And that's, that's partially why, but it's difficult because once you get out of those top 15, top 20 donors, you're wading into that pool of people that are supporting the other things that are going on in the city. Those are, those are waters that it takes a lot of time to navigate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not so much as getting people to donate or getting companies to, to give and then be involved for the first time. It's getting them to take money that they've been giving to someone else and then now have them give it to you. So, but I, I would like to, to shift the, the conversation a little bit to something very, sure. something very funny that I don't know if you saw or any of our listeners have seen tonight, but there is a... A young man, uh, Dylan Johnson, running back at Mississippi State. I saw the the tweet. Yeah, that is entering the transfer portal, and he, he was did their leading it. rusher, right? He's like leading second, yeah, leading rusher this year, yeah. And he did the whole graphic, and you know, I love, thank God, and I love my family, and all this. And then you get down towards the end, and he says, "Since I'm not very tough, and Leach, as in Coach Leach." Is glad I'm leaving. I will be entering my name into the transfer portal. <laughs> Love it. Like you, those conversations go on everywhere. Like he was told to leave and he had some fun with it. More power Lean, to that. Lean, kid. Lean rushers, just like, yeah, I'm not doing this crap anymore. So I thought that That's was funny. Great. And then everybody's favorite uh, commissioner, Brent Yormark. He went in on the old Big Twelve, Big not Big Twelve, that would be Pac Twelve, Pac. Well, the Rose Bowl, really. And then said, "We're going west, essentially." Yes. So he, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where these people are. Like, why is where is he to give these comments? But uh, I will read some of them. Big Twelve Commission, not a fan of what he believes the Rose Bowl did. During CFP expansion talks, I was put off candidly by the Rose Bowl. I don't believe in anybody putting themselves in front of the sport. They finally realized they had to do what was best for college football. 
which is great to hear because that's what everybody that follows college football was saying. Right. But no, nobody that's been a lifer inside the sport would dare say it, but he did. So good for him. Yep. Uh, Lane Kiffin retweeted that because Lane Kiffin is the best Twitter follow in college football. Like he doesn't, he, zero fucks given from Lane Kiffin. If it's a chance for Lane Kiffin to take a shot at somebody, he's it. He's it. So I love that from him. Uh, your Mark also said that we would love to get into the fourth time zone regarding future expansion. When asked about, he was asked about uh, like the, the four new members coming in. And he's like, we love the four new members coming in. We'd also like to go steal some members from the Pac-12. <laughs> we're looking. We're looking to add some more of those <coughs> people too. We're not there uh, yet, but we're looking. Regarding Gonzaga, as a basketball only member, it's all about value creation. He says the Big Twelve is doubling down on hoops. I think basketball is an opportunity to take our brand internationally. Uh, there was a lot made of the collaboration between the Big Twelve and. A company called Bathing Ape, which I had never heard of until the Big 12 Championship game last weekend, because I am an old, as some people like to say. <laughs> but uh, he said that it was a, the Big 12 Championship last week was a peak under the hood of where this conference is going. They did get a lot of publicity over that, which I don't know what that is, but I don't think I'm the person that that brand and company is targeting. But I did notice, like, on Twitter, they got a lot of buzz over that and Ashanti singing the national anthem. And not, and, and not some, like, random country artist from Dallas right. that no one's ever... And I, I love country music, just... I like all music, but, like, you see these, like, you know... Major conf- stars. Conf- yeah, you had, difference. like, a, a very well-known artist sing your national anthem versus just... could You could add anybody. I guess, but like that created like those things legit created like some buzz. He has said all along. That's what he's like. That's what he's going to do. That's his focus. Um, all right. I think Dave left. He's going to get, going to get another Gatorade out of the fridge. He's coming back. He's cracking. Uh, this one's not a small Gatorade. This one's a big Gatorade. I think the last one uh, was a smaller Gatorade. So, uh, all right, now he's off screen. Uh, now he's back on screen. He's sitting back down. Uh, he looks to be settled again. And uh, Dave is back. Okay. How many Gatorades do you have in your fridge? You always have a Gatorade. You're muted. Sorry, uh, I mean, do you I, go to Costco and buy the giant like the? the no, I just get them. No, because Costco doesn't have. I only drink flavors you like. I only drink really Gatorade Zero Grape. Okay, or I should say purple. Um, so I don't think you can get just those on their own. Like you have to get the big trip triple variety, like the three flavor pack, or whatever. So, no, I have usually, you know, the eight packs or whatever between okay. three and four in, in my garage at a time. 
thanks for the the good play by play. Natalie says looks to be purple, perhaps dark blue of sorts. Great choice, great choice by the wily veteran Simone. That's right. Uh, that was that was in a that was in a golf um, picking your club choice, like a, I do, a tone. I do have right? an old T-shirt that just has like a jug of um, grape drink on it, and it says "Made with 100% real purple." Now look. we're having discussions about uh, the the time zones, the old uh, Natalie commercials. Natalie points out that uh, uh, the Pacific time zone does not include Arizona and Utah. Jason it, points I, out. I thought it did for part of the year. Jason points out Arizona doesn't switch with daylight savings it. time. Yeah. They're in the Pacific time zone half the year. Uh, can Dave get UC and NIL deal with Gatorade? Uh, UCF fan on this pod has gone sideways. That's what we do here. I listen to people bitch about it all the time. But look. It's I not, don't care. It's not NPR. This isn't just a news, it's a news station. It's a podcast. Sometimes these podcasts lose focus. Yes. <laughs> these podcasts are designed to be entertaining, to contain a lot of information, and also just kind of be stream of conscious. Do you guys really? Here's what, here's, I'm going to go on a rant, Dave. I, no, I feel it coming. Keep, keep, I feel it coming. I'm sorry. I feel it coming. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Do you guys really want us to be boring? And just here is the UC news. This is who UC has hired to Scott Satterfield's coaching staff. The, no. You want to get to know us? You want to you want to feel you have some connection to who we are as people and what we're about and who we are? And that adds to the information as we're talking about it. And it adds perspective to like our point of view. And I... I refuse to go away from that. I refuse. And since I spent 20 years building this up from scratch, I get to be czar. I get to be the dictator. This is not a democracy. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're at an hour and 50 minutes and we haven't touched on the Crosstown shootout and we have to. I mean, what's there to talk no, about? Do, do you need me? To, I, I, if you can't talk basketball, I have to fire you from this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean what's there to talk about in like, yeah. Okay, are we going to win one? Well, okay. Here's, <laughs> here's the topic I broached today on the radio. And has I talk has about the Crosstown shootout lost its luster? <laughs> this week, it probably has. Because UC fans are worried about some other shit. This week, Paul Doherty is right. The Crosstown shootout has lost its luster. Um, Czar Brendel. I like it, Drew. I like it. Okay, so. What what when what time is the game? What channel is it on? I don't even know these things. Uh, it's at UC, so I'm guessing it's a, an ESPN, ESPN game. ESPN, right? Sort. Yes. Uh, it's at 3 o'clock. Okay. 3 o'clock Saturday. Um, based yep. on what we know from these teams, are you surprised? ESPN two, ESPN two, three o'clock. Thank you, Aaron. Are you surprised that Ken Palm has this as Xavier's a two point favorite and that ESPN has UC with a 48% chance of winning and pickles is becoming a star. Oh no. Um, she does not like that. 
It's not plural. She does. Pickle. She get, she gets it's very mad. Pickle. She gets very mad. When you call yes. her pickles? Yes, there's no S. She hisses. So it's just pickle. She yes. hisses when you call her pickle. Prove it. I wouldn't dare. Prove she, it. She's very feisty. She'll scratch the shit out of you. She loves if you. If you said pickles right now, she'd fight you? No, I'm kidding. Um, she she hates to like be held, touched. You can't give her any medicine. Like it's It's awful. But yeah, all day when I'm trying to work, or as you guys see on this, if you're watching live on the podcast, she's constantly like climbing across my computer, you know, keys and all this stuff. And it's just. So you don't think she knows she's being broadcast live to hundreds of people right now? I don't. I'm pretty sure she does not know. (laughs) Reagan will be upset. Reagan's a big fan of, of Pickle. So maybe she'll. Uh, yeah, Ray. Here, here's here's the the idiocy of all of this. Do you own more than one cat? Yes, we own two, and I'm allergic to them. So she makes you sick every time she sits there. Like I don't, I don't get sick. Like I'm just allergic to a lot of things. Um, but yeah, so no, I don't get like scratchy throat or anything like that. I'm just generally like sick because of her and the other cat. You're just generally sick. Yeah, you got allergies. the sniffles a lot. Yeah, you got, well, you got allergies, allergies every day of the year. So yeah, <laughs> she's tail whacked you multiple times already oh, yeah. today, Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's great. But anyway, about about those muskies, uh, I don't know. Should I be surprised? I, I I like I don't know. I have not watched them play a second of basketball. I know they've played some pretty good teams and had had close scores against uh, Duke and Gonzaga. Is that, is that right? That is right. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. Well, are you, are you okay. surprised? I guess I'll ask you, are you surprised? What Kenny They lost to Duke 71, 64. They lost to Gonzaga 88, 84. Um, they beat Florida 90, 83. Florida's not very good. Sounds like they don't love to play defense. Is that an accurate they, statement? That is an accurate statement. They lost to Indiana 81 to 79. So it sounds um, like anybody with a pulse is scoring in the high 70s or higher when they play them. West Virginia, they they beat West Virginia 84-74. So that's also another team that was a Huggins team that was in the mid-70s against Xavier. Yeah. So I think you're dealing with two teams. That uh, that can score, uh, with you know Xavier more consistently can score than Cincinnati can, but neither team has had any evidence that they are worth a shit on the defensive end. Is this like a uh, who can stay on the floor longer, Vic and Fremantle type of situation? Well, Vic is critical, critical in this game because. If he only like if he if they get in his head and he can only play 17 minutes, UC doesn't have anything behind him. Odie can give you, you know, 10 minutes of hustle and uh making, you know, uh, getting a couple rebounds and maybe making a, a play on defense or getting a blocked shot, but like 
Odie's not a guy that you can rely on. If Vic is in foul trouble, Odie's going to give you 22 minutes a game. Kalu, in the Bryant game, was benched to burn the the red shirt of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was up with that? Kalu has not played well. But then so wh- they said, why did you have to play... Um... Because Same. if Kalu is not going to play well, you have to have a third guy at center. And they felt that Sage has earned his shot in practice. He has performed better than Kalu in practice. He's been more consistent. His effort has been good. So he's seven foot one. Like we're gonna we're gonna need him this year. We tried to redshirt him, but the guy that we brought in to kind of facilitate that red shirt has not been good enough. Isn't that what people like people? That's what people want, right? Like make adjustments. You thought this was going to be the case. This has not been the case. So make an adjustment. You made the adjustment. Now Sage Tolentino what's, is in the what's rotation. Been the, what's been the issue there? Cause didn't we, At, pre, like, didn't we preseason a, talk about him as like a starter? So he's, he's skilled, right? Like he's a guy that's got some offensives. It hasn't, showed out yet here and and maybe this is a a wait maybe that game that burned sage's red shirt is a wake-up call for Kalu. but the reality is he has not done enough to earn his reputation he's not been physical he's not been a good defender he's not offset that with an ability to be a weapon on the offensive end so how, how how can you play that guy that should is supposed to be an offense guy, but hasn't done anything on offense, and he's at best marginal on defense, doesn't really rebound, and he hasn't been a great effort guy. That's a guy you have to sit, right? You can't continue to play him just because you're supposed right. to play well, him. Well, as long as you have someone else that you feel can play better. So, yeah, I mean, they must feel that way. Yeah. Uh, Nunji's seven foot and an elite scorer at all three levels. You can't match him without Vic, Kevin Fink. I agree a thousand percent. Like, you have got to have Vic on the floor for the entirety of this game. And hopefully you get Vic in a situation where he can put Nunji in foul trouble because they're able to get him the ball in the post and he can he can make some things happen. How Sage look, he played five minutes. Um, he looked like a freshman playing a guy his, first playing his, game. his first five minutes of college basketball. Yeah, that's how he looked. So here we go. I guess, I uh, guess my, my concern lies in the fact of like the best they have looked all year is against a division two team against uh, one of the worst teams in all of Division One college basketball in Louisville, and then against a team missing six players. No, that, that that's bullshit, Dave. What what is the the Bryant missing six players? Oh, they weren't. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. They missed. They missed. They were missing one of their top seven. Okay, I, two I mean, of I, their top eight. Okay, I don't. I did not know who. <laughs> Who they were the bottom out. of their roster was decimated, but there was only one regular rotation okay. guy, one yeah, starter I, that was out. I did not know the the 
Like, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route with Bryant, I would just say you have to go that route with Cincinnati. Cincinnati was missing two of their top eight guys because Rob Finnessy broke his foot and Oh, that's fine. Um, I just I didn't know. All I no, saw no, no, no. I'm explaining. I'm explaining six guys. Yeah, that was a Rostein thing. And and remember, where's Rostein located? New York. New York. Where's Jared Grasso? A legend. New York, New Jersey. Who's that? Brian's coach. Oh, okay. Jared Grasso's a, a legend. Like he's a big name in New York City basketball. His dad was a great player. Um Grasso's got a lot of, if you watch the game, Grasso is a lot of uh there's there's a whole bunch of Danny Hurley and Jared Grasso. And you guys know I, I love, love I like Danny, Danny from That's stores. my guy. Yeah, Danny from Stores is my guy. But Jared Grasso during the game is a lunatic. So there's a lot of that uh, in Jared Grasso. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it comes down to one thing for me, this Crosstown shootout. If Cincinnati shoots under 40% from the floor and 30% from three, they're going to get their ass kicked. They're just going to. If they can shoot against a bad Xavier defense, we've established the Xavier team that does not play good D. Do they? If rebound? they can be in the seventy fives and eighties, seventy five to eighty five, somewhere in that range, they're going to have a chance to win the game. Can we? Like, will they? Re, do they rebound? Not like a typical Xavier team. They're not a dominant team on the glass. So, I think that is. Um, that is a situation where, like, it's going to be a, a game day, like, which team rebounds better? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's one team you look at. And, I mean, I guess it would be Xavier because they're going to play with Nunji and Fremantle on the floor most of the time. Um, But I don't think there's, like, a decided Xavier's dominating the glass and UC's poor on the glass. Um. Our guy Thrifty Walrus says, like to see him go five out with Vic off the court. Um, maybe DeJulius, Nolly, Skillings, Reed, JD. I just don't think you can do it against X. Because if you do that against X, they are just throwing the ball to Nunji and Fremantle on the block and getting two points every time. Like, they're, they're just gonna. If you don't have a big guy on the floor... They're just going to dominate you with those two guys. It is what it is. Yeah. Not for all the minutes without Vic, but just for a stretch or two. Like, I, I, I see what you're getting at. Try to punish them. And, and here's the thing with this Xavier team. They do get caught up and, like, they just want to play pickup ball, run up and down the floor. So maybe I feel like, can... but I, also, I feel like some of our guys want to do that, too. Well, of course, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you can catch them <laughs> having more guys on the floor that want to play that style. So that's where it's not a terrible idea, Walrus. <clears throat> is you have to be able to exploit Kunkel. Sure. Well, it comes down to this, Dave. You can't have two of DeJulius Nolly Davenport having a bad game. Two of those three have to have a good game and you probably need the third to have an okay game if you're going to win, right? I'd say you probably need them all three to have a, a pretty good game. 
Well, that's what I mean. Two of them have to be really good. And the third one has to be pretty good if you're going to win this game. If two of them are good and one of them is really bad, like two points or one point or we, what we saw in Maui, like you're going to be you're going to be hanging on for dear life in most of this game. Sure. Because we already know that some guy for them that no one knows or that doesn't do much is going to make like five threes. Right. So you have to have a way to combat that. Yes. Uh, I think Dan Skillings and Josh Reed are going to play an important part in this outcome. Are they ready for, and look, I was, I was joking around with Landers yesterday about you haven't seen anything like this. And he was like, I've seen everything. And I'm like, <laughs> look, man, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to be Troy Copain who like got into a, you know, got into Landers ear when Troy was in town about UC and da 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 da. Landers obviously took offense because he's played in the ACC and he was at Memphis and all that stuff. But like the atmosphere in this game, if you haven't experienced it, is unlike anything you've seen. Wes has said the atmosphere for the shootout last year was more intense than anything he saw in Duke, North Carolina. And I think a lot of that is also like being in and around the city of Cincinnati every day where it means something to both sides. And if you were like, if you're at the counter ordering food at Skyline and there's a Xavier fan behind you and they see it's Wes Miller in front of you, they're going to talk trash. And if it's a UC fan, you know what they're going to say? Hey man, got to beat Xavier this year. Well, that's the thing is like, you know, for Wes and the North Carolina Duke rivalry, like it's a huge rivalry and I'm not saying this to downplay that, but like they, all, they play those, twice a year, usually well, sometimes three times a year. Like They also have national championship aspirations and we can right. say that UC does and we can say that Xavier does, but neither of them have played in a national championship in a very, very, very long time. So not saying like this is you know, the quote unquote Super Bowl game, but like if Duke loses to Carolina, they're like, yeah, okay, we're still good enough to win the title. Right. And that's the that's the goal. That's our goal. Like, so the game is just in a, in the rivalry sense, the game is just a little bit different than I and I think that might be a, a little bit of the reason why. That's, I, I think this is part of it, Kevin, a, 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 an example of how close they are. Kevin was on the cross-country team. They'd run to Xavier and back on their easy days and still have to add on miles. Like, that's how close they are. Like, you can get to Xavier and back in no time. There have been announcers that have done games at Xavier at noon and been to UC at four by tip-off, <laughs> right? Like, and they didn't need Kirk Street where he used to have to take a plane <laughs> <laughs> or a helicopter wheels up yeah no just hop in the car and your driver gets you there in 15 minutes so it, it's it's something that we'll see how these guys handle it and here's the interesting thing dave that i don't think is being talked about much xavier hasn't played a true road game this year hmm. interesting 
they've played neutral sites. They played their their MTE. Uh, they played home games. They have not played on the road yet this year. So playing at fifth third is going to be a very different environment for Sean Miller's first team. I just, I kind of like, yes, I want to win, but like, I also feel like, and the, the dynamic has felt weird over the last several years. You had the COVID situation, you had the John Brandon era, but like, I just kind of want to, I want to, I want to see us like bring the fight to them. I feel like we don't do that anymore. Like the, we're playing on our I heels. Agree. We're playing on our heels in this game, like right from the jump. And whether that's a confidence thing or a, when it's been at Xavier, like a playing on the road thing, but like, it's just, it feels like we're the reactionary team and they're the, yeah, you know, ag- aggressive team. Yeah. <clears throat> Smack them in the mouth. Don't let them be the team that mean, this means everything to them and nothing to you see. I don't even know. <clears throat> I don't even know if that's fair to say, like, say that it, we look at it a different way than they do, but like the, the, the fight on the floor feel like has felt different. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think Xavier has played better basketball to this point in the season. I feel like UC is starting to figure themselves out. Yeah. It's like not all six and three records are the same. But UC is also in a position now where two guys they were counting on to be their top eight are gone, and they were the two guys they were counting on to play defense. Yeah, like those are the two guys that would would bring the fight probably more than anybody else. Right. So, like, what we have talked about, like, what's the, the biggest problem with this roster? Too many, like, one skill guys or too many guys that this is what they do. Landers not only plays offense. One dimensional. Yeah, like one one skill set, like they're they're you brought them in for this specific thing. The two guys that Wes Miller brought in to anchor the defense are gone. So now they have to figure out a new identity. They have to lean into offense. Are Daniel Skillings and Josh Reed going to be able to make big plays in this game? Because they will have to make big plays in this game. If this, if the, if the, the lights are too bright in this game for the first time for those two guys, UC is going to be in trouble. But if they combine for fourteen points and ten rebounds, then UC is going to have a chance to win this game. I think. Right. Um, not confident in Vic keeping his composure. He has to prove, and that's from uh, from RQ30. Um, he has to prove that he can do that. He has to the, – the thing I will say that I think is good for Vic is this is going to be at the third. So it's not going to be an entire, like, or, or a, a subset of people raining down negativity on Vic. It's going to be people supporting him when he does something well. The confidence is going to be different than, like – you know, at NKU, I thought he crumbled because of their crowd. I thought their crowd got in his head, and then he started missing free throws, and they were kind of taunting him, and he could never get back on track. He's not going to have to deal with that at Fifth Third Arena. 
We need Tupac energy. <laughs> uh, I, I really hope it's loud at Lambic says, I really hope it's loud as shit in there. And our fans really turn it up to 11. That's going to be reliant on the team coming out and playing well right away. Don't you agree, Dave? If you come yeah. out and you're down 20 to nine, they, they want to be there, right, but you can't like, that's, that's the thing is so many of these games have just like first, the first segment, the first four minutes, you're like, it's 14 to six. And you're just like, here we go again. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is fair Garrison, not expecting much. Not trying to be negative, but I'm not going to get myself worked up about the game knowing our roster. Garrison, That's why not, I think it's it's not being negative, man. You're you're going off of a, a pretty absurdly poor track record, regardless right. of who the coach has been. That's why I think it's fascinating that both ESPN and Ken Palm think that this is a, a coin flip. And Broering tried to sell it today on the radio as, oh, it's just because of home court advantage. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's three points. Yeah, because like, because they've never won in at UC. <laughs> come on, I'm not expecting much either. Like, if you're asking me from eye test, everybody loves eye test, right? Like, we're we're right around college football selection time. That show just happened like four days ago. Eye test is a big thing. Xavier has played better basketball to this point in the season. Um, but that's not to say that UC is not able to win this game and the Ken Palm and ESPN stuff just tells me like, it's like when, when Vegas, like when you see, it's like when you see a line, Dave, and I, I'm guessing this line's going to be three. Right. You see a line that you're like, they're like, what that line is, should not be that. I'm going to scratch my head and be like, they know, they generally know something we don't. Which tells me everybody that 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 crunches the numbers thinks that this is going to be a game that is decided in the final segment. You hit the under four media timeout, and we find out who wins the game. I would, I would love that because that means that's when you should be relying on your home crowd because the game is in that position. Right. So. I mean, that's, that's what I, I mean, I'm sure, uh, and I know Brent will have an awesome write-up on the game coming up, uh, breaking down both teams and, and what to expect, the storylines to watch. Uh, I'm not sure if Berg's going to send me anything. I know this game makes him completely unhinged. <laughs> uh, I've sat next to him multiple times during the Crosstown shootout. Uh, I have a decade almost of history with Berg. During the Crosstown shootout, he does not, he handles it as poorly as anyone I know handles anything. <laughs> Dave, he had a towel and reggae music one game. And he just chewed on the towel like Jerry Tarkanian and listened to Bob Marley. He was at the game doing this? At the game, sitting in the media section with his headphones in, listening to Bob Marley and a towel to chew on. Seems well adjusted. I've seen him walk out at halftime at, at the Centos Center. He went to a couple games at the Centos Center with me, and he just packed his shit up and left. Well, I mean. Yeah, I don't blame him on a yeah. couple of those games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, 
Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not in a position where I think I'm gonna, I'm comfortable saying UC is gonna win. I'm in a position saying, I think I've watched Xavier play better basketball so far this year. But if you really dig into it, they've lost the games that matter. They beat Florida. They beat West Virginia. Uh, I don't know if those teams are all that good, but Xavier got wins there. Um, and we'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, yes, that Scott Satterfield will be at the game Saturday. Uh, will recruit? Will football recruits be at the game? Here's the problem with that: in order for football recruits to be at the game, the football staff has to be able to buy tickets to the game, and it's been sold out. So I, I think people have this misunderstanding that like they can just walk in at any time and be like, hey, we're the football team. We're at the basketball game. Uh, <laughs> you have to actually buy those tickets. And those tickets have to be for sale, which would be a block of tickets that would have to be for sale for all of the people that are going to be in town uh, visiting this weekend. Yes. Um, will there be basketball and football recruits at the game? BearcatJournal.com. Uh, we will we will have that coverage there. That's not something right now we're going to discuss on podcasts because podcasts are free, and Bearcat Journal is how we pay the bills. Something I will discuss on the podcast is okay. uh, an offer went out tonight. I guess what they now call a re-offer, mm-hmm. like when you offer someone and then you change schools and now you're re-offering them at your new school. Uh huh. To a player by the name of Kylan Fox, who's in the 2024 class. Okay. He is the number 87 ranked player in the nation. Okay. And has offers at Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, but apparently also likes Louisville, liked Louisville a lot too. And now UC is recruiting him. And I think uh, quarterback coach Pete Thomas might be an important uh, person in that recruitment so we'll see i also saw he may be deciding like in 10 days so i'm not sure how viable of an option you shit. <laughs> how, how viable of an option you see will be but just you know just interesting that 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 uh offer went out and you know he mentioned coach uh nicholson and coach thomas in his um i think he's a tight end in his uh recruit in his tweet um, Reagan, make sure you know it's pickle, not pickles. She knows. No she knows. Okay, just making sure she knows. She knows. Uh, also, before we go, gambling content's coming, Dave. I know we've talked about it. Well, we have officially <laughs> we're officially a partner with Betfred. So don't go to Betfred yet. Don't. But. We will have links for you. We will have promotions. We will have specials. Uh, we will have Reagan doing a ton of gambling content that's coming up on the TikTok and the YouTube and the Instagram and here on Bearcat Journal. And we will have podcasts. And we will get you guys ready to go for January 1st when gambling goes live in Ohio. Less than a and month. Just less than a month. And look. You will help us. If you're going to gamble, you will help us immensely 
if you do your gambling with bet friend. Right, right in, right in time to get your Bengals Super Bowl tickets in when they you know have terrible odds. Right. I got mine in a long time ago. I have to look at my ticket and see what odds I got compared to what they are now. I do have a, fu- a funny story. So, a gambling story. I told him my buddy was in Vegas, and I told him to get me a ticket on win the AFC North and win the AFC. Uh-huh. And like a parlay. Like, no, just I wanted two, no, two separate tickets. Two tickets. Okay, two separate tickets. I got you. <laughs> so, the next day, he sends me a picture of the tickets, and I go, that's cool. Where's the one to win the AFC North? And he goes, Oh shit! I got drunk, so I've got to win the Super Bowl ticket <laughs> and, and win the AFC, and ticket. Win the, the AFC ticket. I'm like, all right, let's let's go. Yeah. Good luck. Hopefully, did he go? Was he still there to make the, the AFC North bet? No, I didn't. We didn't do that one. Okay. Uh, is this when you add the if you have a gambling problem statement? Yeah, absolutely. If you have a gambling problem, call. I don't have the number. Right, n- right now we're talking, since gambling is not legal in Ohio, we're right. talking we're just units. Units. We're just talking future going forward. In like 24 days, we'll talk dollars. <laughs> but if you want to gamble in Ohio, we will have a way for you to do that with our partner. I hope they're going to have some good promotions for us because every other – DraftKings, FanDuel, Barstool, MGM. Yeah, they got some mega promotions, so that Fred better get on it. Also, this discussion is 100% for entertainment purposes only and does not involve real money betting. Gambling can be addictive. Please play responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. This service is intended for adult users only. Individuals must be 21 or older to participate in sports betting and ga- iGaming in the U.S. You're pretty good at that. Great, great read. Yeah, that's a great read. Have you been practicing your reads? No. <laughs> yeah, right. While while changing diapers. <laughs> He's reading the small, the fine print on the diaper boxes in his spare time. Aaron, dynamite gambling drop in. Awesome stuff. Uh, if you have a gambling problem, call Dan Simon. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll get you straight. He'll get you straightened out. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Um, that's uh, that's our, our BCJ pod crosstown shootout preview. Thank you to John Cunningham and Brian Fox. Hopefully that is all you guys need to know and all the information that you're looking for on Cincy Reigns. And it urges you and pushes you uh, to become uh, a participant and somebody that is backing the people that are backing the athletes at the University of Cincinnati. Like I said, Bearcat Journal will be involved and we will have a place uh, in this world as well. Uh, And as a member of Bearcat Journal, you will get exclusive content that nobody else is going to get. So let's uh, let's make it happen. Dave, appreciate you. Good, sir. Thank you. Great job tonight. We will see everybody next time. It is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. Thanks, Chad, Dave, and Pickles.